Do you look great? Look who it is. Glad you stopped by because as always, we have great theater to talk to you about. And more than ever on this episode, do we have amazing theater. As we kick off our spring review with you. First up on the hit parade is the latest show by a second stage theater at the Helen Hayes Theater, Take Me Out. What a way to start the spring season. And let's just get this out of the way. Yes, naked men. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's out of the way. All right. <laughs> so now tell me about the story. All right, naked men. No, that, that was the allure when the show originally debuted 17 years ago or something. And I know that a lot of people at the show, that is what they went for. Maybe I'm just a guy, so I was like, yay, seen it, whooped. There is a brilliant story actually being told, and it's incredibly relevant. And uh, and I'm not going to give it away because as a friend of the show, Taisha, told me, as I was explaining it, yeah, uh, uh, a professional athlete coming out as, as gay, like... It doesn't seem like a big deal anymore. Like, okay, but I want to see where it goes. There's another bit of the show. And I was not prepared for it. And she knew that too. And it literally left me floored. Um, At the intermission, I was just jaw on the ground. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I, I loved it. I loved the way that it was told. The pacing... Just everything. It felt natural. I really did feel like I was watching the events and everything unfold and develop. It felt... Real? Yes. Okay. Time. time the, the time felt accurate. It didn't... You know, sometimes with shows, you have to suspend your idea of time. Yes. You know, this felt like it really did happen. It was happening in real time. So, like, right. if something took 15 minutes... You, it was like fifteen minutes had passed, kind of thing. Sort Not, of. I mean, like it, it did happen over the course of months, but it, 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 the show didn't need to have like you know a month later. Right. It, you it, could tell that time was progressing. It and it didn't have to be like, oh, where are we? Like, right. Is this all happening at the same time? When they referenced two weeks had passed, they they didn't even need a reference. Two weeks had passed, and it felt like two weeks had passed kind of thing so that was great the set was wonderful simple but transformative you know between the locker room and then the baseball field the lighting really helped with that bringing in these giant like stadium lights which was cool oh i love that especially for the haze you know how small yes, the haze the haze, is. the helen haze theater is super small um the sound was so cool um i mean we're baseball fans um what was cool about the sound the cracking of the bat was my favorite because i found myself I'd hear the crack of the bat, and I literally just instinctively found myself going, like, with my head, like, looking for the ball. I was like, Andrew, it's a show. It's a show. <laughs> There's actually no real ball being hit. Now, here's <laughs> here's the true question that I would like to know is, if you could hear the cracking of the bat, the lights felt like you were there, did your brain instinctively start smelling the grass and the pine tar? Yes. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I love that. The character that Jesse Tyler Ferguson plays starts off as like that. He's a gay accountant that just like, I know nothing of sports. And then not because of the person that he comes to represent, like the, he becomes the accountant of the star, not because of, you know, he's the baseball star, but because actually he starts to learn about um, 
the sport and falls in love with the sport does he develop this like obsessiveness with baseball oh cool and he's the one that like in his first game he's like just just stop from and just smell the grass and just I can't believe I'm here and and I went you know what yeah and, and when I when I saw the show it was just like a week or two weeks after the lockout had ended so I was like, yeah, I mean, baseball is not my favorite sport. That's not my number one sport. But, like, there is something about it. Even if you're in, in the nosebleeds, you can you can smell the grass and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, the, the other cool thing that I liked, uh, well, the other two things, and if your dad's listening, I think he'd love this, even your brother, the play on the numbers about the game the breakdown of the numbers uh-huh you know the game is a game of not only numbers but threes yes um find the pattern of threes and also the way that they they speak from a place of passion and it takes you back to playing catch with your dad and baseball ultimately comes it comes from a very personal place mm-hmm. that's the passion of the game and i've never heard someone talk about a sport in that way where it takes you back to your childhood. Yes, like it, it brings in these instant feelings of home and comfort. Yes. Rather than like what you would expect, which is that thrill of the game, the adrenaline and stuff like that. Yes. Oh, that's really awesome to hear. And the other thing that the I, I loved about the lights as well was, um, you know, in normal shows. Normal shows. Nor, normal shows, typical shows. Lights come down and they're typically like in a round thing because that's how most lights are. All the lights in the show... Were diamonds. Oh, cool. Yeah, so they're focused as diamonds. Okay. And I was like, that's awesome. And it's something I don't think a lot of audience members might have noticed at first, but I was like, ah, diamonds, baseball, got it. Ah, clever. Mm-hmm. Um, the I, I want to mention this because we talked with Victoria... Fragnelli? Fragnito. Fragnito, sorry. <laughs> it's like Fragnelli. About this on scar tissue, when she talked about intimacy... Um, uh, intimacy directors. Thank you. I was like coordinator, director. Um, the level of comfort and safety created for the level of intimacy. I mean, there is full on nudity. It, that's amazing to me. Well, you know? and the let's talk about the groundbreaking thing that this show is doing right now, where it's they are. Oh, the cell phone thing. Yes, I want this at every theater. So you walk in, you have to put your cell phone. Like, is your cell phone power down? Okay. And you have to put your cell phone in a pouch that is locked. You can't get in your cell phone until after the show when the ushers can unlock your pouch. I loved it. First of all, more people were having conversations. Remember conversations? That that was a great thing. People were actually connecting again. And it eliminated distractions. And I felt like it provided a really safe environment. I love that. And we'll have to talk on a on a different episode about cell phone usage and like pirated and bootlegged copies. Yes. But at the I have end a soapbox. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a, and I I think a lot of us as creatives have a strong opinion about it, but I think the most important thing is that the actors who have to be naked on stage feel safe. Yes. Because that's the only way that you can perform intimate scenes like this so i think that it's a very awesome idea that we haven't seen before and i hope it gets implemented more uh, other places because seriously it uh, uh, 
it, it's been so long since I've been able to just not see cell phone. Just, you know, oh, just focus on the show. So right? what you're saying is because the lack of cell phone, you were able to dive fully into the show. Well, and, and just connect, connect with others as well. You know, everyone felt more connected. We all, it, the story felt stronger. So, and speaking of the story, I don't know if I told you this. Richard Greenberg was the playwright and we love Richard Greenberg. He wrote The Assembled Parties. Oh. Yes. And so I, you know, I love his writing. So brilliant cast, brilliant show. Love it. Tickets for this show playing at the Helen Hayes Theater are on sale through June 11th of 2022. Wrapping up this episode, we head to the incredible venue in Hudson Yards, The Shed, where we saw the new work, Help. Okay, so this show was like tossed around, mix-matched in the the critics. Okay. Like it was like, ah, I didn't get it. Anyway, I loved it. And why did you love it? Um, The message. It had a very powerful message. First of all, you had... I want to say it was 11 white actors and then one actor of color. And the one actor of color we've seen before, she played Tony Stone. Oh, Tony. awesome. Yeah. And she, it, it would flip back between like a stand-up narrative. Like she would be giving like a narrative kind of thing, kind of like a stand-up. But okay. then interacting as well in these little vignettes. And... The vessel by which they would deliver the kind of the show was interactions in an airport or on an airplane. And the idea that they're talking about is systemic racism. And it this was an interesting mix of performance art and a solo show and a play and This is this is a difficult show for me to talk because I don't I, I walk a line of I, 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 I don't want to offend but I don't know where to speak. Um, I had a really long conversation with a friend of mine about this. Depending of your ethnicity, you're going to get something different. Okay. You are going to get something different because as I was leaving the show, I was blown away and I felt things that people of color around me didn't. Where I was like, this is a great show. They're like, ah, I've experienced it, but ah, I didn't really care for this. And I was like, but then I was like, hold on a second. There was a message in the show meant for me that touched me, but there's probably a message for you that you, you know. And it was the first time that I was like, we watched the same show. Like, I, I got to really experience or feel same show, two messages. Okay, like that altering, like the show was uh, written for people to get of different backgrounds to get different perspectives. Right. And it, it really quite forces you to question your role in regards to race relations and privilege and white privilege. And I love that. And it didn't do it in a way that was like shaming. Okay. One of the things, so, I mean, there's the obvious things of, um, yeah, I mean, we can, there's obvious systemic racism. 
Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things to bring up is she was in line for to board a plane first class, and a group of white men cut in front of her, and she goes, "Excuse me, I'm in line." And they said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were in line. I guess I'll let anyone in first class." And she kind of speaks about that, and I was like, "Wow, oh, I've seen that before, and, and that's a really crappy move to do." I can recognize that as racism, but then there was like having her explain why things are wrong, but how to fix it. So, for instance, there's a guy who was like, I don't see color. And she's like, let me explain why that's bad. Um, and then the same guy that was like, we're diversifying our company. And she explaining why, you know, exp- uh, addressing... Um, the uh, affirmative action, affirmative action, and and that kind of idea. I mean, it was, it hit all the marks for me, and it made me just go. I thought for the longest time I was such an ally, and I could be doing more. And I left with this overwhelming sense that I need to solve this problem, and I need to realize that I'm not the only person that can solve the problem. <laughs> Right, that but, it's a community problem and we I, all need to do it. I left feeling like I need to solve it because I felt still like I was part of the problem purely because, like, I can, I recognize things. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh my gosh, I've seen that, uh, you know. And so I was like, what a powerful work to be able f- to connect with an audience member to make me go, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I need to do better. Yeah, I mean, not that I do things like that by any means, but the fact no, that I can like, recognize that that exists. But it's, it's like that idea that if you see something happening and you don't do anything to stop it, you're not helping exactly. the problem. Exactly. That was my guilt. Is I'm like, I've seen that and I did not... Uh, yeah. Being a silent observer is just as... Yes. Damaging. I, I love the references that they that it made. So they updated the play because it was supposed to happen before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they updated it to reference everything that's happened since... So whether it be the political, the insurrection and stuff like that, or Karen's Black Lives Matter movement, all of that stuff was brought in in the best way too, you know. Um, the music was incredible. I can't get the music out of my head. I'll be riding the subway and the music pops in my head. It's like this great jazz. It's like the hold music in the okay. best uh, way. Was it like the background music or like the, the transitional music? music? Or okay. when you walked in, the lighting was great. Um... um it felt very much like a collegiate le- lecture. Oh, okay, like a like an interactive collegiate lecture. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it was less of an entertaining show, more of an awakening or a social education show. Okay. And this is a show that should be taught and read, in my opinion. Um, I just I could go on and on about this show. I had like an hour and a half discussion with my friend, and I was like, I. Yeah, so that great. I'm. It was super impactful and breaking down or diluting. Excuse me. It was super impactful, uh, and and it was a broken down or diluted version of systemic racism and the reason behind it, so that we could better understand it. Okay. And better solve the problem. I think that that's where I like the most. Is I'm hoping that. The audiences who saw it went in. And I mean, I feel like might have been preaching to the choir, but, could, you know, this that is what it is. they had an awakening as well. Right. This is what it is, and this is how we can solve the problem. Sadly, this show closed on April 10th, 2022. 
And this concludes this episode of the Broadway Bulletin. Be sure to tune into our next edition coming out every Tuesday and Saturday. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Booga Blue by U.S. Army Blues. Other music on this episode provided by Jesse Spillane and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.